Glad you could join us for episode 87 of Fatalists. My name is Dave, and I'm joined, as always, by my co-host Wayne on this rainy, perhaps even snowy night. Potentially. Uh, for me, just it's a crappy night, man. I'd feel like dog poo. But Ooh, I'm, I'm soldiering through for you you people out there, because we couldn't do it last week, so I know that uh, you know, I'm, I'm manning up. Yeah, that uh, Thanksgiving holiday got in the way, uh, got, actually got in the way of a lot of things, mostly uh, trying to keep a, a good diet, but that's yeah. <laughs> eh, okay. I love pumpkin, and I certainly ate a lot of it. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's just it's one of those things. You, know, you got to do it. You got to do it. Got to do know? it. And, so uh, now, did you eat two meals? Uh, no. Or did you just, we just, you just, we had, just had the one over. here? And actually, I had my second Thanksgiving tonight, actually, because oh. um, we had people over at our house. So we had all kinds of leftovers still. And, oh, nice. So you served them pizza? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we <laughs> also right. had we, a bunch we, of leftover pizzas for my son's birthday party as well. But. <laughs> yeah, so, all right, well, listen, we'd love to hear from you via email at fatalistpodcast at gmail.com, the website at fatalistpodbean.com, where you can leave a voicemail via the speak pipe tab or... Just record your own audio clip and send the MP3 as an attachment. Now, one thing we wanted to throw out there, and you know, you and I were just talking about a little bit ago, that we were undecided as to how we were going to handle things, but it looks like now we're going to resume season one of Dark Angel during Lost Girls hiatus leading up to the final eight episodes, because obviously the the next episode, episode 88 of Fatalist, will actually be the season five premiere of Lost Girl. So it looks like they're going to run... Lost Girl from December 7th straight through to January 25th. Uh, I'm guessing, like I said to you, Wayne, we're probably going to have at least a three to four month hiatus. So plenty of time to get back to Dark Angel, do it justice. Right, tons of time. And uh, if you are caught up in Dark Angel right now, feel free to go ahead and watch the rest of those episodes and we'll get back to you and we'll talk about it. Yeah, and then you can make predictions and right. seem smart or pressing. Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm right. going to hold off. But uh, you people out there, and I told you guys you what, out there if you want to. And I told you what I did. I can't even believe I did yeah. it. But actually, I shouldn't say. So. Yep. All right. Spoilers. Well, anyway, tonight we're here to discuss Season 1, Episode 12 of James Cameron's cyberpunk series, Dark Angel, starring Jessica Alba and Michael Weatherly. But before we get to that, Wayne, do we care that Showcase has released the names of the Lost Girl Season 5 guest stars? Uh, you know, I'm I'm sort of ambivalent about it. I mean, you know how I feel about spoilerish stuff. Does the names of the guest stars does that matter to you that you know? Um, I guess only if there's names of character of guest stars to play characters that we believe are dead at this point. Okay, well, there's none of those. Okay, so then uh, I mean, I guess not really. It builds up a sense of anticipation. You know, you're like, oh, when's the Linda Hamilton episode going to pop up and everything. Yeah, because we I don't think we really knew who Linda Hamilton was going to play. Not, not when they so, announced it. Right. Not when the first announcement we did. Yeah. So, yeah, I, you know, on the one hand, I'm, I'm kind of ambivalent about it. But on the other hand, it is kind of exciting, especially because there is one name. And I'm just going to kind of segue into the news here. Because on November 28th, Shaw Media released the names of, I don't know that this is all of the guest stars, but it's certainly, what do we got? One, two, three, four, five guest stars, six. Here's who they've named. All right. Number one, Eric Roberts. Do you oh, know him? Yeah, of course. Dark Knight, Expendables, and of course, I'll let you say it. Uh, some kind of wonderful? Uh, he was No, he wasn't in that. Was he not? I don't think so. 
You mean with uh, Mary no, Stewart? No, that was, that was the other dude. He was supposed to be in Back to the Future, I think. Or maybe really? that was the other dude, too. Who's that other dude? Well, well, okay, first of all, you know who he is, right? He's, He's Julia, Julia Roberts', Roberts brother. brother. Yeah, yeah. Right, okay. He played the master. Right, right, right. right. In, uh, in the, uh, that's something, the, the Doctor Who movie, in the, 80, right. the 96 movie. Exactly, with the eighth doctor. Yeah, that's, um, that, I don't know what, I'm thinking, who am I thinking? The dude, the yeah, red-haired dude. I'm not dude, sure. Some kind of wonderful. No, that's Eric Stoltz. Eric Stoltz, that's who I'm thinking. Right. I think he was right. supposed Eric, to be in Back to the Future. Like, right. he had so the role, I, and then they, like, decided after, early in, in the shooting, they wanted to go a different direction. Eric Stoltz, yeah. you mean. Yeah, Eric Roberts typically plays bad guys. Um, I'll tell you, one really overlooked film he was in was called Star 80, and it was about, uh, he he played the husband, uh, and this was a tr- based on a true story, he played the husband of a Playboy centerfold, Dorothy Stratton, who you know was the small-town girl, and he was sort of her driving force, Svengali, to a certain extent, and he, he ended up murdering her because... You know, she didn't want to stay with him, and he was his role. He was just chilling in that role. But it was the same year, I believe, ET came out, and the little six-year-old kid or whatever he was got the uh, Academy Award for Best Actor, which I think was a travesty. But, really, uh, he's he's really good. I, I think he's one of the most overlooked. The actors. kid from ET got Best Actor that year. I don't know. Some 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 little kid, maybe not, but. Actually, I'm, make, I'm just making stuff up now. <laughs> I've been <laughs> no, treated that. I, I, I got I to see who, who won the... I know he didn't even get nominated for it, so you can kind of look that up while well, I'm... That, that uh, explains why he didn't win it then. Okay. Now, uh, another guest star is going to be Luke Billick, who I, I've seen his picture. He looks like he should be on a CW Wait, show. he used to coach the Ravens, right? Yes, exactly. Okay. Uh, he was in My Babysitter's a Vampire, Degrassi, The Next Generation, Noam Jenkins, who was in Covert Affairs, Rookie Blue, which, I don't know, seemed really like a stupid show to me, but apparently uh, he was he was a recurring star in that, had a lot, uh, it was in a lot of episodes, and he, he's actually got quite an extensive IMDb resume. Uh, Amanda Walsh, Two and a Half Men, NCIS, Grimm, but it looks like a, a lot of one-offs for her, although quite a few. And Shanice Benton, who was also Degrassi alum, a day late and a dollar short. So uh, we don't know how many episodes each of those is going to be in and what roles they're going to play, but certainly there's a lot of speculation. I can't wait to see who Eric Roberts plays. Clearly, he's got to be dark. Yeah, for sure. So maybe, But maybe they're going to like throw you for a loop and make him like one of the light fae and just be like, wait a second. Well, that would be actually pretty cool. So, anyway, did you look anything up? Yeah, okay. So, first of all, E.T. came out the same year as Gandhi. And so, Gandhi definitely won Best Picture that year. And I'm pretty sure Ben Kingsley won Best Actor. Well, we got to figure out when Star... Oh, Star... All right, Star Star 80 came out in 83. So, who won Uh, the Academy Award in 83? Hold on, hold on, hold on. Because I don't even think he got nominated. And probably because it was such a disturbing role. I mean, he was just so vile as this character. Yeah, well, he was pretty. He, he was he was pretty scary in the Doctor Who movie too. But I think he just kind of does dark there, you know. All yeah. right, best actor, uh, Robert Duvall for Tender Mercies. Really? Okay. What about supporting actor? Uh, best supporting actor, Jack Nicholson for Terms of Endearment. 
Huh. Well, I'll have that to go was, back That was a, a very sappy year. Like, you had Silkwood and Terms of Endearment. Uh, the yeah, Dresser. Well, obviously what those the are... hell was The Dresser? Or Ruben Ruben? Oh, uh, oh The Dresser was uh, this guy that, that he was like a valet for some uh, English actor. And he, he literally was his dresser, if, I, if I'm recalling correctly. Wow. It might have been John Hurt, maybe. That sounds like a really... I I'm don't not know. sure, but... But there are two people, two best actors from that movie, Tom Courtenay and Albert Finney. Oh, okay. So, so All right, yeah, well, anyway, anyway, why don't we move on to Dark Angel here? Okay. So we're here to talk about Dark Angel episode 12 of season one called Art Attack that aired on February 6th, 2001. Uh, the episode was written by Doris Egan, who also wrote 411 on the DL, and she also wrote another episode in season one, and it was directed by James Contner, who directed several episodes of Buffy and even one episode of Firefly. So yeah, we certainly nice. like his pedigree. All right. Now, just kind of an overview, Wayne. This was one of the episodes, I think really maybe even the first episode where the two storylines really meshed well together. You know, we had our obligatory jam pony scene, but it was really a lot more integral this time. And then, of course, the the wedding scene and, and the two really ended up moving together, which uh, I really thought was really a strong piece of writing. Yeah, no question. And, you know, that was like your big complaint, right, that these jam pony scenes were just kind of like stuck in there. They really didn't contribute to the story at all. They were... You know, we we defined it as you know comic relief, but you know it's just yeah they they never really were an integral part of the story, but now it, it totally was right, and the uh, the two worlds were really colliding there with Cindy coming to the wedding reception, all that stuff. Yeah, and and I mean you know we see the jam pony riders come to Normal's defense as he's having a gun held to his head, despite his consistently shoddy treatment of them. And I guess my question is, is he going to change as a result of his experience on this night? Uh, you know, he wouldn't be any fun if he did, though, you know? Well, that's true. So now the other thing is, in terms of episode overview, you know, Max and Logan draw a lot closer together with the wedding as a backdrop, and his speech is kind of a microcosm of his relationship with max but you know we'll get we'll get to all that so i love the opening scene man the wheelchair basketball game yeah. and My michael weatherly's a big athlete and then certainly ncis he played you know his backstory is he played football at ohio state cool yeah he looked like he could handle himself out there in that basketball game for sure yeah, yeah I put and, in my notes, uh, man. it looks like he's he's doing pretty good so yeah yeah he and and then we see that Max has been watching because he asked her to meet him to talk about something, and then of course she presumes that he must have had money on the game. It's like, really, why would you work that hard if there was no money yeah, she involved? Said, uh, you killed yourself for nothing. Must be a guy thing. Yeah, yeah exactly. So um, he tells her, you know, she presumes it's a, it's about a job, and then he all of a sudden, ah, forget about it. Uh, he was going to ask her to be his date for his cousin's wedding. And then, you know, they kind of do the little verbal spar. Well, I've got plans. Yeah, that's okay. I wasn't going anyway. Well, you said you were going. Well, you said you had plans. And uh, it was really kind of, it was almost like very castle-ish. Yeah. Yeah, I can see that. Definitely. Um, because they're, it's just all this toying around and they're flirting, but not flirting. It's all the subtext that's going on there. Um yeah. But, uh, yeah, but there's almost like teenagers, you know, like you're adults. So just say, okay, hey, can you please go with me to my cousin's wedding? And then she says right, yes, exactly. and then bam, it's all done. 
Right. Well, she agrees to go even after he tells her that they're just a bunch of snobs. And by the way, it's a formal affair. And she tells him that that's no problem. Now, I, I assume she was going to either steal money or I don't know if we ever addressed all that money that she got when she broke into that. Uh, where was it? Out in an airfield? The, I think. Uh, no, that was the impound, right? Oh, right, right, right. So, yeah, so, she did. And yeah, the show has, I mean, we've asked about it, but the show has not really questioned that. Right. But I certainly didn't see, you know, coming what, what, uh, actually came. So well, we then I, see, yeah. didn't he say, I, I don't know if I have it. I, I just assumed that he would buy the dress. I thought maybe he said something, but now I'm looking at my notes. I don't have anything down there. Yeah, um, no, he definitely does not. You know, she just says, right, so, hey, no, no problem. I, you know, I, here's, here's where my mind was going, because she walks into that shop, and it's like pretty woman, right? So yeah. I'm just thinking about the famous scene where she, like, you know, the woman's acting all snooty, and Julie Roberts pulls out the charge card and, like, here you go. Like, what's up? Or, no, 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 no. She goes to the other place where she pulls out the card. They treat her well. And then she goes back and she shows her bags to like the other the lady who was mean to her. But anyway, you get it. I mean, you saw that yeah. totally going here. Uh, you know, Max and Cindy go into a high end shop. Was Kendra with them too? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Max Kendra, and Max, Kendra and go into a high end shop. You can see that the um, the 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 lady, the saleswoman, is doesn't. She's not outwardly, you know, nasty to them. But you can see she's clearly thinking, "You don't belong here." And, um, exactly, and and it's clear none of them have ever been in a store of this stature because one of them even says it's like the pulse never happened. Right, but but yeah, like you said, I mean they weren't dressed for that kind of a store, but they weren't dressed so badly that they, you know, couldn't perhaps be seen as bohemians with money or something like that. Right, but they, they didn't they didn't go as far with the snobbery at the shop as I thought, and probably they're going to think, oh, if we do that, they're just going to think it's a pretty woman, so we're not going to go. But though. Max did ask her to put that dress aside, and the lady totally did not do that. No, she right? didn't. So uh, there you and, go. And when she asks how much it costs, you know, she says six hundred, no thousand. Uh, and then, like you said, she says she'll be back for it. And, and I just meant, thought she meant, you know, gambling winnings, other ill-gotten money. But uh, and then, like you mentioned before, we thought maybe uh, Logan was going to buy the dress for her or, or certainly pay for whatever it was she was going to wear. And, and in fact, Cindy brings that up and I'm sorry, Kendra brings it up. And then we get into the whole kind of, is he your sugar daddy or not? Right. And he kind of is, but kind of isn't. Yeah. Well, I, I mean, again, it, it, it's, and it's brought up several times, the whole quid pro quo right. thing. And, and while we, while he hasn't really done anything recently, you know, in terms of, you know, putting her in touch you know, with, you know, the other kids or, you know, anything like that, it's, it's still, you know, they're helping each other out. So, right. So it's, we'll de- it's definitely not a sugar daddy type relationship, but to yeah. some extent, I mean, she's not even expecting money from him. She doesn't go to him. She hasn't come to him and say, Hey, I need you to help me out with rent or anything like that. Yeah. The only quid pro quo they've had is she does the jobs for him and then he gives her information about the other kids. Yeah. Yeah. So. Now, she does the whole Mission Impossible thing to, right. to get into the dress store, which was cool. But you know the shop girl's going to be able to ID her. I'm not sure. Which is, it's almost as if she's 
exhibiting a little bit of hubris here that, you know, I don't care that you looked at me, you know, right in the face. Sure. You're, you're going to be able to ID me. I'm, I'm taking it anyway. And, and I guess we are to believe her that she, her intention was to return the dress at the end of the right. day. And where are the cops going to go looking for her at, you know, at this rich snooty wedding? Like, I don't think so. Right. And then she'd sneak it back in and nobody'd be the wiser. What so. I thought was going to happen because, um, you know, Logan said he'd never met his cousin's fiance. I thought that she was going to come walking down the aisle and be like the shop girl or something. Uh huh. And then that would have been uncomfortable. Yeah. But that's not what now, happened. Now, you know, now you mentioned um, Pretty Woman. And, and while there weren't any scenes per se, you know, exactly, but, but certainly there were, there were little scenes that were. I think an homage to uh, that film or, or certainly a film of that ilk. So, you know, we see Logan's wearing his tux. He goes to jam pony to pick up max. And then that great scene where she just comes strutting down the aisle wearing the dress. Yeah. Her, her hair's up. I mean, she looks like a model. She, fashion she, model. she was definitely beautiful. No, no yep. question about it. Yep. And then, uh, we, we never see Logan lost for words, but, I mean, he's all nervous about giving the speech, and I don't know. Is it? I guess it's part that he knows the only reason he was asked to be the best man is. I think he says he knows his cousin knows it would piss off his uncle or something like that. Yeah, and I mean, I just you get a feeling that he doesn't really hang with his family too much. You know, he's kind of um, shaking that sand off of off of his feet. And, right now, his parents are dead. Right. Yes. Okay, and, and this is uh, the uncle that, I don't know if this is the uncle that raised him or if, you know, his parents died when he was already an adult. I'm not sure if we know that or not. Yeah, I don't know. But clearly he disapproves of Logan's lifestyle and, and you know, makes several cutting remarks about, you know, when you're going to get a real job. And, and, and obviously he doesn't really know what Logan does, but it was kind of cool that, you know, Max tries to come to his defense but she can't really because it's not like she can reveal that, oh, yeah, by the way, he's eyes only. Right. But she does come with a nice little snip where he's like, what does he say, talking talking out my, uh, I don't know. Oh, talking out my hat. And, and she's like, well, yeah, if you have it over your ass. You know, I was like, yeah, yeah that was nice. <laughs> yeah, really. Well, you know, getting back to that speech where he's clearly nervous about giving it. And, you know, like Cindy back at the dress shop. Max starts questioning the whole staying with one person for life. And then she looks at the ring and tells Logan she could fence it for 10,000. But, you know, I'm wondering if she's just not masking the fact that she would love to have a ring from a man that loves. Well, her. you're right. And, you know, she's got like the tough exterior. Right. And, and she slowly kind of gives in, I guess, a little bit as the ceremony proceeds. Because um, first she's just like, why would why would you want that? That's so stupid, you know. And it's kind of like, I'm not saying she's being like sour grapes or anything like that. I think she honestly believes that as being someone who's been completely self reliant her whole life. You know that she really does believe. Why would I ever do that? Why would I ever give up my freedom? And then she's sitting there watching the ceremony and she's listening to the vows and realizing that these people aren't suckers. They're not saps. They're people in love and who they're giving each other to each other and she sees the beauty in that and she ends up crying at the end of the ceremony yeah so. yeah she's really moved and you know like you said after internally mocking them now we we finally learned max's last name which i thought was a you know pretty uh you know i mean it was funny but it was kind of 
I, I guess we got exactly what we thought we were going to get from the way Logan described his family that, you know, clearly they think she's below anybody at this wedding. You know, the name Guevara clearly, you know, right. you're, you're, anything you're, you're that ends in the vowel is going to be not exactly. good with and, those type of people. Right. So this uncle Jonas clearly looks upon Max with, you know, a certain amount of disdain Logan. Well, the, his aunt is still like, oh, so the Greenwich Guevara's, you know. It's like, really? <laughs> I mean, they really couldn't possibly be more rude, which clearly and... Well, they probably guess, could. You know? <laughs> yeah, could, but, but it, it, it kind of surprised me that it really did bother Max, you know? Yeah, yeah. I mean, you give, you, given all the stuff that she's had to deal with, that this bothered her but again i think that's really it's like this episode it's kind of like that change is coming over her i mean look unlike zach who is just not for whatever reason ever going to assimilate into normal society he's always going to be on the run he's always going to be the protector uh but you know obviously max is trying to assimilate and you know i think it's it's just the fact that she's so emotional in this episode you know, I think it's that next step. Yeah, absolutely. And you can see, uh, you know, that this kind of microcosm of the, I don't know if microcosm is the word I want, but just like the the wedding served as a symbol for the relationship between Logan and Max. And you can see that, and it's, it's like out there, right? She realizes it, he realizes it. They both know that that this relationship is growing. They, they aren't verbalizing it. But they both know it's there. And really, I guess, yeah. have been ever since she kissed him, you know, a couple episodes ago. And, and so, you know, I, I really kind of thought that was neat how they worked that out. And, and that scene, like you had said before, where he's given the speech and she's like, he's re- she's like reading it and he's reading her lips and saying the speech. Um, you know, it's, there's the teamwork. There's them acting as a unit um, and not just, and, you know, and with the way she looks, obviously, you can't help but you know feel like there's something romantic happening here too yeah yeah absolutely and uh you know along with that he tells her the story you know he's really opening up to her now and he tells her the story of the necklace that his aunt is wearing which actually belonged to his dead mother and you know the idea was that she wanted him to have it but uh, apparently when his parents died, you know, she swooped in and took it. And, and we kind of know where this is headed, sure. right? Well, we no, know. no question. The minute he mentions yep. it, you know that she's going to get it back for him. Yep. Steal the dress, steal the necklace. Yeah. Oh, his father gave it to his mother the day he was born and wanted him to have it. Right. That's what yeah. it was. So all I got to say is to his aunt, really? Really? Yeah. You're going to take yeah. the locket that, you know, you're... I guess brother-in-law. I, I guess I don't know who's who's really who, but whatever. The the guy bought this for his wife on the day that their only child was born. He's an only child, right? We don't know about any. I think so. Brothers and sisters, whatever. And you're going to take that seriously? You're going to steal that instead of giving it to the kid? Say, hey, this was your mother's. It meant a lot to her. She get you. She got it the day you were born. But no, instead, right. oh, I'm going to take it and wear it. To like the only event where I see that kid, you know, and just like basically flash in his face. You know, you're probably going to just going to say that I was just off my game watching this episode because the next thing I didn't really see coming was his ex-girlfriend from Yale, Daphne. 
at the reception. And, you know, I guess in retrospect, it's like, come on, of course they had to put something like right, that in yeah. there. Yeah, I, I don't and, think I was anticipating that happening, but when it happened, you're just like, oh, okay, well, I know where this is going, you know, totally. Because um, Max does, you know, if she sees competition, all of a sudden, and we saw it before when Logan's ex-wife showed up, when another woman shows up to in his life, all of a sudden she gets all bristly and protective. Yeah, yeah. You know, and uh, when there's not another woman around, she totally takes him for granted. Yeah, but you know, it's like there was a, a, a softness to her this time that we didn't see when his ex-wife showed up. She still, you know, it was really that hard exterior still. And not that she still doesn't have it to a certain extent, but the first thing Daphne notices is the dress Max is wearing because it's something that she had seen in that very same shop, but its price scared her away. Right. Yeah, at which point, like, oh, it's possible now she still might get busted for the dress thing, you know? Oh, yeah. And then, but then, of course, Max's uh, beeper goes off. She's got to deal with some gangsters trying to kill my boss. And Logan, at that point, is so caught up in flirting with his ex-girlfriend. And, you know, at that point, we're not really sure what the hell he's doing. You know, look at your date. You know, clearly you've had a crush on Max from day one. You know, you've got her. You've got her here as your date, and you're gonna just dump her. But we kind of do then find out what his re- reason for, I guess, talking so much with his girlfriend, or at least what he tells Max later on, right? That he just wanted to find right. out. Yeah, that was actually a good excuse. Remember? Oh, I was just trying to find out why she dumped me. Man, it was like, you know, yeah, right. Yeah, we'll, have to, we'll have to file that one. Yeah, <laughs> girlfriends. Right. Okay. Uh, note to self. Um, <laughs> All right. Now, you you know, you mentioned the speech and, and the whole thing, you know, that, that he starts the speech. Max isn't there. And he's saying the did you ever see four weddings and a funeral? Oh, yeah. I mean, it, it was reminiscent right. of oh, those kind of speeches. one because like Hugh Grant does like the really clever speech. I was like, haha, is that funny? And then later on in the movie, when that other dude tries to do like the same type of speech, but he just completely exactly. destroys it. Like, yep. So, yeah, definitely like that. Um, so she rushes back just in time to save Logan, who's stumbling all over himself. And like you said, she's mouthing the words. And, and again, just like you said, his toast at the wedding just mirrors that relationship that he and Max have developed. But, um, you know, it, it's, 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 he seems intent on saying the absolute worst possible words that he could, that he could pick. But then, you know, at the very end of it, that, you know, that smile, and we see Max smile so rarely right. that, that just touching and genuine and, and geez, just, just so good to see. Yeah. Um, and we see her, I think, just, yeah, just in a, generally a different light here, not just the dress, but just as someone who is slowly coming around to not just, you know, like, first of all, it was the realization, okay. I can let other people into my life, friends, you know, and whatever. I don't have to try and go it alone. It's better when you have other people out there with you. Then it's like, okay, well, I can learn to trust this one guy more than most other people. So she's gotten to that kind of, you know, stepping point. Now it's like, you know, I might actually really dig this guy. And, uh, and, and, that's I think that's what happened here, where she's starting to realize, you know, I really, really, I, I like him, like, as we would say in middle school, she likes, likes him. Yeah. Well, and it's almost as if the dress transforms her 
and not that she's caught up in the value of it or anything like that. But it's it, again, just to go back to Pretty Woman, it's like these clothes. It's almost as if she gathers self-esteem that she didn't have before, and she sees the way she's treated. And I mean, certainly she values herself and all of that. But you know, I think that's it's an important symbol. And you know, she and Logan start to spar. She's you know mad about Daphne. He's kind of concerned about where she got the dress. And I don't want this to become too much of a trope, but Max's beeper saves the day right. again. And, you know, she's on the phone with Cindy. And while she's on the phone, she overhears Logan's aunt and a young woman talking about Logan needing a woman. And I think they, you know, they're kind of implying Daphne looks like she's finally ready to settle down and take care of him. And, you know, Max doesn't look happy because she knows she's got to you know follow up on cindy's call but she really needs to stay at the wedding right yeah it's that that you know that little competitive bit in her not just competitive but just you know again that realization of of what's going on with her and logan yeah now once again sketches idiocy comes back to haunt him this is like the best though like, it was. I'll even admit, <laughs> like having a sword fight with the, you know. But even I was thinking, as normal, picked him up. Like normal, you're gonna like check to make sure you're putting the right thing back in the right package, dude. Because you just randomly grab stuff and threw it in, unless you don't care. Right. But normal does not strike me as someone who doesn't care. Right. So he's as big an idiot as Sketch in this case. Yes. But like you said, they're you know they're fencing with these tubes. And this time, the problem is the delivery of a painting rolled up in a tube and uh, the painting, you know, they knock the contents out while they're fencing. You know, the painting gets accidentally switched uh, with a with blueprints for uh, I forget what is some kind of warehouse or something. And like you said, he makes no effort to make sure that the contents go in the correct tube. Now, got to love Ryan Robbins. Yeah. And Master P to boot, man. Yeah, no, I don't know who that is. But. <laughs> he's the guy playing Duvalier. He's a big rap star, and, oh, and okay. he's does quite. He's had quite a few acting gigs too. Oh, okay. Well, Ryan Robbins is the middleman in this painting heist scam. Whatever he's supposed to have a Rockwell delivered to Duvalier, who's then going to take it to his buyer in Singapore. But when Sketch delivers it, it's the blueprints for a meatpacking plant and. Clearly, they're not happy, right? So <laughs> Duvalier's men go to Jampony to acquire about the mix-up. And I really normal. Here, fill this out and come back yeah. tomorrow. Do these, do these guys look like the kind of guys you tell to fill out these, a form and come back These guys don't look like fill out the form type of guys at all. Yeah, that's that was, no, so, that was rid- ridiculous. <laughs> yeah. So they ransack the depot, take normal with them, and he is forced to call Cindy for help. Yep. And the officer, money, lots of it, and, 10 bucks. And, and, okay, make it 20. Right. <laughs> and, and it's classic. All she wants is an apology. Right. Or, and no more bip, bip, bips. Right. And he begrudgingly gives it to her. You know, and, you know, it's funny. In my notes, I was putting that, you know, so now we get to see just what kind of relationships the riders have with normal. But, I think it's really a look 
inside, in this case, original Cindy's moral compass. And, you know, we, we've seen Max's moral compass. And, and, you know, really, I love this kind of character who's, you know, just really on the edge. You, you know, they, they certainly do a lot of bad things, but when they're forced to make a decision, they do the right thing. I mean, it, it's just like in Firefly. Right. I mean, yeah. the, 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 the crew members on Serenity, I mean, they're smugglers, you know, I mean, they're not killers, they're not violent criminals, but whenever they're forced to make a decision, yeah, they, they, they live on the edges of the law yeah. the, and what, you know, society as a whole would probably condemn their morality, you know, and saying that, the, you know, they are, do not live a moral life because they rob and steal and do all kinds of stuff like that. Um, but yet, you know, when basic human morality, when it comes to doing the right thing, then they always do it. You know, Malcolm Reynolds is always reluctantly kind of does the right thing, but ultimately will do the right thing. Like yeah. going back for a, what's his, a, a wash that one time yeah. in the War Stories episode, right? Yeah. Like, yeah. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Like it killed him. He's like, I don't really like this guy in the first place, but okay, I got to go back for him. And that's the same thing. Cindy's, and you can see where she gets that. That attitude, that that uh, way of thinking from is they live in this community, in this apartment where everyone has to look out for each other because everyone's poor, everyone's on the edge. And so they all have to look out for another. And so that's just kind of where she is. You know, she's just the idea that we all need to look out for each other and help each other out. Right. And despite how normal treats them, he did hire her and, you know, the others and, you know, hasn't fired Sketch yet. But. Yeah, and I don't, so anyway, I don't think the etymology uh, he cites for idiot and moron is is correct. Yeah, I, I, I didn't look so. it up. <laughs> the moron I know is is completely wrong because I know that's uh, that's uh, uh, was it Greek Latin Latin for foolish. Okay. Um, All right. Well, so. anyway, Cindy, Cindy, uh, they they kind of piece together what must have happened, and just and with and with Sketch's help, they track down the painting, but. Since I guess Cindy doesn't possess the requisite skills to get into a locked building, she calls Max, who agrees to leave the party to help her, takes the car keys from the valet's board. I, I was kind of surprised that Normal didn't ask where she got the car. Um, well, yeah, at that point, you know, maybe he's not too concerned, you know. I, I guess. Uh, now, she tells Cindy when she arrives that she'll handle things and try not to wrinkle the dress because Cinderella's got to return it in the morning. Right, and that, I was surprised when she said that because I was like, really? I mean, I get it. It makes sense for her character that she'd want to do that, but then still, that's like kind of crazy. And the fact that she would, you know, keep it on to, you know, break in this place. I mean, could she, I don't know. Go <laughs> stop by a sports store or something. I, I don't know. This seems like there's something she could have done, but you know, the, the show is better that she didn't, right? Yeah. Well, I've got a theory on that. We'll get to it in a okay. little bit. So, uh, so she finds she breaks in and finds this architect who's about to jump from the roof because his life is ruined after the plans for the meat packing plant never showed up. And he says, "You're a messenger, aren't you?" But you know. He's ref- he thinks she's an right, angel. Right, absolutely. I, I was about to say that, yeah. He thinks she's like a real angel, which she kind of is. Yeah, I mean, so now we're back to the, you know, the little uh, allusion to It's a Wonderful Life, uh, you know, right. w- with, uh, what's his name, ready to jump off the bridge. Jimmy Stewart. Yeah. Jimmy Stewart, right. And so she goes to the dumpster. Well, before and- that, you got it when she like smacks him on the side of the head. 
Like, oh, you've yeah. got a wife and daughter, she slaps on the side. What are you thinking? Trying to kill yourself. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. the guy's like, I just lost my job. She's like, it's a job. Get another one. What is wrong with you? You know? Yeah. So, anyway, she goes in the dumpster, finds the painting. Cindy delivers it, but Duvalier runs some kind of little scanner thing over it and realizes it's a phone. Yeah, what the hell is that? <laughs> and, uh,. <laughs> They throw Ryan Robbins out the window. What? it? What, what's it called? Defenestration. Defenestration. Yeah, that's that's a real I didn't word. Look that one up. It's, I I just looked it up. I mean, I, I knew because I know like like fenster is the German word for a window. So when they said oh. that, I'm like, oh, I bet you that's throwing someone out a window. That if there's gonna be a word for it, that would be it. And sure yeah. enough. Okay. So, all right. So Ryan Robbins is uh, not long for this episode. Uh, Duvalier gives Cindy two hours, or normal's gonna be the next one out the window. They track down Ryan Robbins' double-crossing partner who sold the real painting to a Korean ship's captain who's apparently taking it back to the presidential palace. And now Max has to get Logan. <laughs> it's just, I, I love just how all of this transpired. So now she's back to the wedding, uh, gets Logan. They find a computer, and he searches for the ship. Then he goes on this little mini rant about the culture being bought and shipped overseas. Yeah. I think he mentions like the baseball hall of fame going to Kyoto yeah. and yeah, that's, that's crazy. I mean, and you, you know, it's this whole, we're in a depression. So, you know, we're outsourcing all of our culture and everything. Um, yeah. just all of a sudden, like she hits on this issue that is obviously one of very passionate concern for Logan and yeah. everyone's yeah. just like, kind of like, Whoa. So anyway, so Max tells Cindy, um, you know, that, uh, you know, oh, let me backtrack a second. All right. So, so Max has got to now get to the Korean military vessel, but she's kind of concerned that she's going to leave Daphne Logan's ex alone at the party. Cindy tells boo, I got you covered. Right. And so are, are things heating up? I mean, I think uh, we would have to say yes in this episode. Yeah, definitely. It might be. I don't, I don't know if Cindy kind of has never really held on to anyone for any length of time, but, you know, maybe this one might be. Uh... Yeah. Now, yeah, you mentioned the dress and, and and her doing all of this spy stuff while still wearing the dress. And, and obviously the obvious question is, why doesn't she just change? But, you know, I think we're intended to see her in this dress because it's, it's a metaphor for the life that she aspires to. And it's like, I think it's a life she never really thought she would aspire to. And it's, it's kind of catching her by surprise. You know, this whole wedding husband house, white picket fence, 2.5 kids. And uh, clearly she could have changed at any point, but I think we're meant to see her in that dress and recognize that, you know, in the same way she goes about her spy stuff, wearing the dress while keeping it in good shape, she could have a normal life without damaging who she really is. Yeah, right, exactly. And, the, and, and so I, I agree there that the dress does you know, become a symbol of, of all this and, and something she just doesn't want to let go of it, right? You know, so, and then we, we have the classic throwing of the bouquet and I wasn't sure whether I thought Max was going to make an attempt to catch it. I like what she did much better just kind of deflected to original Cindy. And then we get the little uh, hint that, well, perhaps Daphne and original Cindy are hitting it off. You know, yeah. that uh, maybe they got more in common than just liking to shoot pool. Yeah. Well, they def there's definitely, you know, the strong 
uh, hinting that uh, there might be romance in the air for for Cindy and Daphne. Yeah. Now the you know the final scene you know and I was trying to figure out as he was doing it. Of course, it all came in uh, came clear as the episode ended. Why Logan goes to the morgue and puts the bullet in? I guess that was Ryan Robbins' dead body, right? Yes. Uh, and then goes to the airport to plant the gun on Duvalier, and and obviously it all becomes clear. And it's like, wow, that was pretty good, Logan. Yeah, I mean, when he shot him, I, I knew because then they had a shot of the gun. I'm like, oh, he's going to plant the gun on yeah. on Master P. Yeah. So uh, everything works out, and then we get to the final scene, and we're back at Logan's with the painting. And Logan, you know, brings up that thing about his uncle is just a reminder of what he does not want to ever become. And, and I guess that's maybe why he forced himself to go to this wedding, just to, just as a reminder. And yeah, because he, he's that we've seen continually with him that just is wanting to break from his past and not really. I mean, we, the only person we've seen from his past, right, is his ex-wife. And that certainly wasn't a, a pleasant uh, encounter between them. You know, and, and it, I just really like the way this relationship between the two of them is developing. I mean, they're doing it nice and slowly. Um, you know, he now tells her that, you know, Daphne just dumped him out of the blue, no reason. And then Max, it's like, well, I just took the dress because I didn't want you to have to worry about having a date that didn't fit in. And he's like, I would never want you to fit in with that crowd. Right. And then just like, well, I'm going to return it, but he wants to buy it for. Her. Yeah. And that, and then like the, you know, the, the, the line, you look beautiful in it. In fact, you were the most beautiful woman there. Yeah. And then she gives him the locket. I mean, man, I'm telling you the last minute and a half of this episode. Yeah. That's a, a shipper's just dream. Yeah. But <laughs> again, they just, and, and I know, look, I know I keep mentioning castle for a lot of different reasons, but it was really just good how they did it in that show as well. well. Yeah. And the offsetting dialogue where they keep talking, he wants to talk about the dress. She wants to talk about Daphne and they both kind of overcut one another about it. And the first time they, they do this, they end up with none of your business was how they right. kind of was the result of it. And then the second time it happens at the end here, instead of them shutting each other out, saying none of your business, they, you know, he gives her the dress. She gives him the locket and is a nice little scene. Yeah, absolutely. And then at the very end, Max leaves. And as she's, you know, leaving, I don't even know if she turns around and he just says, don't make any plans for Easter. And then he throws in some other, you know, line, almost to kind of maybe make it seem as if I'm kind of kidding, but not really. I forget. It was something about uncle Jonas in his bunny suit or something, but really he wants her to share that holiday with him. Right. And then he abruptly turns the wheelchair, bumps into the table and goes, ow. And we realize he's got feeling in his leg. Yeah. Which I totally knew that he was going to, I'm on record. I'm pretty confident that I'm on record here somewhere saying that, you know, I think his uh, term in the wheelchair was going to be short lived. Okay. Now here would be the point where I could make a prediction, but as I admitted to you earlier in the day, I couldn't help myself. I had to go back and watch the first five or six minutes of the next episode. So I at least have an inkling as to what's going on here but I'm just going to stop there 
And uh, I guess the listeners are going to have to wait two months, right? Yep. Before we or they uh, can go ahead episode. and watch it. And, yeah. Right, absolutely. But just don't and tell me. Call in, right, they can call in and make predictions. And Actually, I think I'll probably, now since you're talking about it, I, I probably have to go and just at least watch the next episode. Just watch, watch the first five minutes. Right. That's all you need to do. <laughs> because you seem to, there's something big seems to be, be happening there. And I can probably guess yes. what it is. But uh, Well, and you'll go, oh, that makes sense. <laughs> And I'll just leave it. Well, we better stop there. So, uh, you got anything else you want to say about this one? Um, nope. Except that defenestration. Actually, there's two defenestrations of Prague, where you know, like the one is like the whole town council and the mayor of Prague got thrown out the window, and All then right, there's another cool. one, like a hundred years later. So. You know, this is an actual thing, not just an actual word, but, you know, it's like an actual thing that uh, happened, like the checks do to one another, apparently. All right. Sounds great. (laughs) All right. Well, listen, we want to thank you for joining us tonight. And if you'd like to send some feedback, we'd love to hear from you. Emails to fatalistpodcast at gmail.com or voicemails via SpeakPipe, which you can access through the Fatalist website. We will be back next week to talk about The Lost Girl Season 5 premiere. Woohoo! titled like hell part one so until next time you know all this talk about defenestration dave and you know what there's really nothing like a room full of flat-ass white girls to get your mind off of defenestration